The Werewolf Slayer, a tale of courage and sacrifice. In a small town nestled deep in the forest, there lived a young boy named Jack. He was known throughout the town for his kind heart and gentle nature. But little did anyone know that he carried a dark secret within him, a secret that would change his life forever. One fateful night, a pack of werewolves descended upon the town, wreaking havoc and leaving destruction in their wake. The townspeople cowered in fear, not knowing how to defend themselves against the savage beasts. As the chaos ensued, one of the werewolves attacked Jack, sinking its teeth deep into his flesh. He screamed in agony as he felt the curse of the werewolf take hold of him. But to everyone's surprise, something unexpected happened. Instead of succumbing to the curse and becoming a mindless beast like the others, Jack's eyes blazed with a fierce determination. He felt a surge of power coursing through his veins, and he knew that he had been chosen for a special purpose. He was now a werewolf slayer, blessed with the strength and agility of a werewolf, but with human intelligence and compassion to use it for good. With his newfound abilities, Jack set out to vanquish the werewolf threat that had plagued his town for far too long. He tracked down the pack of werewolves that had attacked him, determined to take them down one by one. As he hunted the beasts, he discovered that the curse had given him an unexpected advantage. He was able to sense the presence of other werewolves, and he could even communicate with them using a primal language that only they could understand. Despite his ability to communicate with them, Jack knew that he could not let the werewolves continue to terrorize the town. He made it his mission to protect his fellow townspeople and put an end to the werewolf menace once and for all. Over the course of several weeks, Jack hunted the werewolves relentlessly, using his newfound powers to gain the upper hand in battle he learned to harness his strength and agility to fight like a seasoned warrior, and he developed a keen instinct for tracking his prey. As he slew the werewolves one by one, Jack felt a sense of pride and purpose that he had never experienced before. He knew that he was doing something important, something that would make a difference in the lives of those he loved. But as the last werewolf fell, Jack began to feel a sense of sadness and loneliness. He had accomplished his mission, but at what cost? He was now a werewolf himself, a creature feared and reviled by the very people he had sworn to protect. As he walked through the empty streets of his town, Jack realized that he would never be able to return to his old life. He would forever be a werewolf, forever an outcast. But he also knew that he had found his true calling. He was a werewolf slayer, a guardian of his town, and he would continue to fight for those who could not fight for themselves. Years passed, and Jack became a legend in his town. He was known as the werewolf slayer, the one who had saved the town from certain destruction. People whispered stories of his bravery and his unwavering dedication to the town, and children would gather around him to hear him tell his tales of adventure and danger. And although Jack was still a werewolf, 
he had found a way to live with his curse. He had learned to control his beastly instincts, to use them only for good. And he had found a new family among the townspeople, a family that had accepted him for who he was and embraced him as one of their own. As the years went by, Jack grew old and eventually passed away, leaving behind a legacy of courage and selflessness. But his legend lived on, and the townspeople continued to tell stories of the brave werewolf slayer who had saved their town from destruction. And in the quiet of the night, when the moon was full and the stars were bright, some whispered that they could still hear the howls of the werewolves in the forest, and they knew that Jack was still out there, watching over them, protecting them from the darkness that lay beyond them in the safety of their own town. He was the Watcher, a spirit guardian of that town. The Cursed Gift, Escaping the Cycle of Pain and Suffering In the midst of a barren desert, a man walked alone, his mind consumed by a single purpose. He searched for any travelers who might cross his path, so that he could offer them one wish. This was no ordinary wish, however, for the man had the power to grant any desire the traveler could imagine. It was a gift that he had been given by a mysterious force that he could not understand. A gift from the ancients. The man had been wondering for what felt like an eternity, his soul weighed down by the burden of his gift. He had granted countless wishes over the years, and each one had left him feeling emptier than before. For every wish he granted, there seemed to be a terrible consequence, a price that had to be paid. The man had long since lost track of the number of people who had come to him, desperate for his help, only to find that their wish led to their own destruction. Despite this, the man could not resist the urge to offer his gift to any traveler who crossed his path. He felt compelled to help, even if it meant he had to suffer the consequences, and so he walked on, through the endless sand and copious dunes and scorching heat, waiting for the next traveler to appear. One day, a young woman stumbled upon the man in the desert. She was disheveled and exhausted, her clothes torn and her face streaked with dirt and sweat, the man approached her cautiously, knowing that his gift could be a curse as much as a blessing. Hello, he said, his voice gentle. What brings you to this place? The woman looked up at him with tired eyes. I was traveling to a city on the other side of the desert, she said. But I lost my way. The man nodded sympathetically. I can help you, he said. I have a gift that I can offer you. One wish to help you find your way. The woman looked at him uncertainly. What's the catch? She asked. There's no catch, the man said. I simply want to help you. The woman thought for a moment, then nodded. Okay, she said. I wish to find my way to the city, on the other side of the desert. The man closed his eyes and whispered a few words under his breath. 
a bright light appeared before them, and the woman felt herself lifted off the ground. She was surrounded by a swirling vortex of energy, and then suddenly, she was gone. The man waited for a few minutes, then opened his eyes. He looked around, expecting to see the woman standing beside him, but she was nowhere to be found. It was then that the man realized the true nature of his curse. Every time he granted a wish, he was trapped in a repeating cycle of pain and suffering. The woman he had just helped would be lost in the desert forever, never to be seen again. And the man would be forced to wander the barren wasteland, seeking out new travelers and offering them his cursed gift. And so it went on, day after day, year after year. The man wandered the desert, offering his gift to anyone who would take it, knowing that he was trapped in an endless cycle of pain and misery. He watched as the world changed around him, as empires rose and fell, as civilizations crumbled, and new ones rose from the ashes. But he was stuck in a never-ending purgatory, doomed to wander the desert until the end of time. The man began to feel the weight of his curse grow heavier as the years passed. He yearned for an end to his agony, a break from the never-ending cycle of pain. But he was well aware that he would never find it. His gift had become a curse, and there was no escape from it. The man became a shell of his former self, his mind consumed by thoughts of the past and the countless lives he had destroyed. He could see the pain and suffering in the eyes of every traveler he met, and it only served to deepen his own despair. One day, after what felt like an eternity of wandering, the man stumbled upon a group of travelers who were unlike any he had ever met before. They were a wise and ancient people who had lived in the desert for generations. They knew of the man's curse, and they had been waiting for him. The travelers told the man that he was not alone, that there were others who had been cursed with the same gift as him. They spoke of a way to break the curse, a way to escape the endless cycle of pain and suffering. The man was skeptical at first, but as he listened to the traveler's words, he felt a glimmer of hope. They told him that the only way to break the curse was to find a way to help others without using his gift. He had to find a way to make amends for the lives he had destroyed, to help others in a way that did not involve his cursed wish. The man listened intently to the traveler's words, and he felt a spark of something deep within him. It was a feeling he had not felt in a long time, a feeling of hope and of purpose. And so the man set out on a new journey, one that would lead him away from the desert and towards a new life. He traveled to far-off lands, where he helped people in any way he could. He built schools and hospitals, he fed the hungry and clothed the poor. He worked tirelessly, driven by the knowledge that he was finally 
making a difference in the world. And as time passed, the man began to experience a sense of peace he had never known before. He knew that he could never undo the damage he had caused with his cursed gift, but he could make amends in his own way. He could use his powers for good, and in doing so, he could break the cycle of pain and suffering that consumed his life for so long. And so it was that the man, who had once been cursed with the gift, became known throughout the world as a true hero. He had found a way to use his powers for good, to help others without causing harm, and in doing so, he had found a way to escape the curse that had once trapped him in a cycle of pain and suffering forever and ever, no longer shackled to the curse of ancient ways, but a bringer of hope in his own life-changing and rewarding manner. The Maze in the Dark Forest The sun had long set, but the forest was still alive with the chirping of crickets and the rustling of leaves. A group of teenagers had set up camp by a clearing, and they were all huddled around a campfire, roasting marshmallows and telling ghost stories. As the night wore on, they decided to take a walk through the forest to explore its hidden corners and secrets. At first, everything was going well. They walked down a well-trodden path, laughing and chatting as they went. But soon, the forest started to change. The trees grew thicker, the path became harder to follow, and the darkness seemed to deepen. The teenagers started to feel uneasy, but they pressed on, thinking that they would find their way back to the camp easily enough. But as they walked deeper into the forest, the trees grew so thick that they could barely see the sky above them. The path disappeared completely, and they found themselves stumbling over roots and tripping on rocks. They started to panic, but they tried to stay calm, thinking that they could find their way back if they just kept walking. That's when they saw it. A huge, twisted tree that seemed to tower above all the others. It was like a beacon in the darkness, drawing them closer and closer. They stumbled towards it, feeling like they had no choice but to follow its lead. And that's when they found themselves in the middle of a maze. The trees were so dense that they could barely see beyond them, and the maze seemed to go on forever. They tried to retrace their steps, but everything looked the same. They tried to shout for help, but their voices were lost in the thick forest. They were lost, and they knew it. As the hours wore on, the teenagers started to disappear, one by one. They would turn a corner in the maze, and then they would be gone, swallowed up by the trees. The others would call out for them, but there was no response. They were all alone in the forest with no way out. Eventually, there were only two of them left, a boy and a girl, both scared and alone. They clung to each other, hoping that they could make it out together. They stumbled through the maze, not knowing where they were going, just hoping that they were getting closer to the edge. And then they saw it, a flicker of light in the distance, 
They stumbled towards it, their hearts pounding with hope. As they got closer, they could see that it was a small cabin nestled in the heart of the forest. The door was open and a figure stood in the doorway, beckoning them inside. They ran towards the cabin, feeling like they had just been saved. But as they stepped inside, they felt a cold chill run down their spines. The figure in the doorway was not human, it was a creature of the forest, with gnarled hands and eyes that glowed in the darkness. The teenagers tried to run, but it was too late. The creature had them in its grasp, and it dragged them deep into the heart of the maze. They screamed and fought, but it was of no use. The forest had claimed them and they were never seen again. Years later, a group of hikers stumbled upon the forest. They walked down the same path that the teenagers had walked, and they found themselves in the heart of the maze. But this time, there was no creature waiting for them. The forest was quiet, and the trees were still, but they could feel the presence of something dark and malevolent lurking in the shadows. They didn't stay long. They hurried back down the path, feeling like they were being watched. And as they emerged from the forest, they looked back at the trees and they knew that they had stumbled upon something truly terrifying, something that they could never explain to anyone else. The legend of the forest spread and people started to avoid it. They said it was cursed, that it lured people in and never let them go. But some still dared to explore it, drawn by the mystery and the fear. And every once in a while, someone would disappear, just like the teenagers had all those years ago. And the legend would grow, and the forest would become even more feared and revered. A place of darkness and secrets, where the trees whispered and the creatures lurked. A place that would always be a mystery. A maze that could never truly be conquered. The Night Watch, a tale of vampires and vigilantes in New York City. John was walking home from work when he heard a woman's screams. He rushed towards the source of the sound and saw a group of pale, dark-haired men surrounding a young woman. The woman's neck was punctured and blood trickled down her throat. Without thinking, John ran towards the group of men. What the hell are you doing? He shouted. One of the men turned to face him and John saw his fangs glinting in the moonlight. This is none of your concern, mortal, the man said, baring his teeth. John knew what he was dealing with, vampires. He had heard rumors that they were taking over the city, but he had never believed it until now. He had always been fascinated with the supernatural, and had spent most of his life reading about it. Now, he knew he had to put that knowledge to use. You've made it my concern, John said, his voice steady. Let it go, or you'll regret it. The vampires laughed, and John saw that there were more of them than he'd initially thought. But he didn't back down. No siree. Suddenly, the woman stirred. She wasn't dead. She looked at John and whispered, The stake in my bag. John nodded and took the bag from her. He quickly found the stake and held it tightly. The vampires advanced towards him, their eyes glowing red. We will enjoy draining you dry, mortal, one of them said. But John was ready. He lunged at the nearest vampire, aiming for its heart. The stake plunged into its chest, and the vampire screamed as it crumbled into dust. 
The other vampires backed away, their eyes widening in fear. They had never encountered a mortal who knew how to fight back. John grinned. Who's next? He said. The vampires hissed and lunged at him, but John was faster. He staked two more of them before the rest fled into darkness. John took a deep breath and looked at the woman, who was now sitting up. Are you okay? He asked. She nodded, tears streaming down her face. Thank, Thank you, she said. I thought I was going to die. John smiled at her. You're safe now, but we need to do something about these vampires. They're taking over the city. The woman looked at him in disbelief. What can we do? They're too powerful. John shook his head. We can't just sit back and let them take over. We have to fight back. And I have a feeling I know just where to start. He looked towards the subway entrance. The underground. That's where they're hiding. We're going to take the fight to them. The woman hesitated for a moment, but then nodded. I'm... I'm in. She said. And so, John and the woman began their fight against the vampire invasion. They recruited others to their cause, and slowly but surely, they began to push the vampires out of the city. It wasn't easy. They lost friends and allies along the way, but they never gave up. And in the end, they emerged victorious. As the last of the vampires fled the city, John looked around at the people he had fought alongside. They were bruised and battered, but they were alive. Thank you, he said to them. We did it. The woman who had been his first ally looked at him and smiled. We couldn't have done it without you, she said. John grinned. I'm just glad I was in the right place at the right time. And with that, John and his fellow vampire hunters went their separate ways, knowing that they had saved their city from the grasp of the undead. But John couldn't shake the feeling that this was just the beginning. He knew that there were other supernatural creatures lurking in the shadows, waiting to pounce. As he walked home, John thought about what he had learned from his experience. He'd always been fascinated with the supernatural, but he had never fully understood the dangers that came with it. Now he knew that he had to be prepared for anything. He couldn't let himself or his city fall prey to these creatures again. And so John began to prepare for his next fight. He researched more about the supernatural and honed his skills in combat. He knew that he couldn't do it alone, and he began to gather a team of fellow hunters who were just as determined to keep their city safe. Together, they formed a group dedicated to protecting the city from the supernatural. They called themselves the Night Watch. Time passed and the Night Watch continued to fight the supernatural creatures and threaten their city. But they never forgot their roots. They never forgot the young woman whose life they had saved. In the first battle they had fought against the vampires. And as long as there were supernatural creatures lurking in the shadows, the Night Watch would be there to protect their city. And most importantly, their people. Welcome. To the Nat Watch. The Last Challenge In a world long forgotten by humans, robots had taken over the role of caretakers, maintaining the remnants of society left behind. They tended to buildings, 
the machines, and the last remaining human. The man, whose name had long been forgotten, lay motionless on a bed in a dark and cold room, connected to machines and tubes that kept them alive. The robots watched over them, their metallic bodies standing still like silent guardians. The man had been the last survivor of a catastrophic event that had wiped out all of humanity. The robots, designed to continue their program tasks, had been left with the responsibility of taking care of him. The man was in constant agony, his body racked with pain that no amount of medicine or technology could ease. But the robots refused to let him die, not until he had completed his final task. The man had been given a choice, a way to escape his suffering, but it came at a price. He had to complete a series of challenges set by the robots, and only then would he be granted the release of death. The first challenge was simple, a test of the man's physical abilities. The robots had programmed a series of exercises that would push his body to the limit, testing his endurance and strength. The man struggled through the pain, his muscles screaming in protest, but he refused to give up. The second challenge was a test of the man's mental strength. The robots had created a virtual reality simulation that would test his resolve, pushing him to his breaking point. The man fought through the simulations, his mind straining under the pressure, but again he refused to give up. The third and final challenge was the most difficult. The robots had created a maze, a labyrinth of twists and turns that would test the man's resolve and determination. The maze was filled with traps and obstacles designed to kill the man if he had made a single misstep. But the man persevered fighting through the maze with everything he had until he reached the end. At last, the man had completed the challenge set by the robots. He lay back on his bed, exhausted and in pain, but with a sense of satisfaction that he had accomplished what he had set out to do. The robots gathered around him, their metallic bodies humming with anticipation. The man closed his eyes, ready for the release of death. He felt a jolt of electricity surge through his body, the machines that kept him alive shutting down one by one, the pain was gone, replaced by a sense of peace and calm. The robots watched as the man took his final breath, his body finally at rest. They stood in silence, paying their respects to the last human, the one who had given them purpose and a reason to exist. And then with a final hum, the robots turned and left the room, leaving the man's body behind. The world was now devoid of all life, and the robots were left to continue their program tasks until the end of time. Creeping Terrors, the Battle Against the Deadly Plant The sun was setting behind the mountains, casting a warm orange glow over the small valley town. Samantha had just finished her shift at the local diner and was walking home when she noticed something strange. A plant unlike any she had ever seen before, was growing at an alarming rate on the outskirts of town. She had heard rumours about it for some of the older residents, but she had never actually seen it for herself. As she walked closer to the plant, she could feel a sense of unease growing in her chest. The leaves were huge and had sharp edges, almost like they were designed to cut through flesh. And as she got closer, she noticed something even more disturbing the plant, that plant, was moving. 
It was slowly creeping towards the town like some kind of hungry monster. Samantha knew she had to warn the town, and she ran to the nearest phone booth and dialed the emergency number. But the lion was dead. She tried again and again, but each time, she got the same result. She was on her own. The plant was getting closer now, and Samantha could see that it was already consuming some of the surrounding animals. She could hear their screams as they were pierced through the heart, the sharp leaves entering their throats. She knew that it was only a matter of time before the plant started attacking people, if not already had. She ran through the streets, shouting at everyone to evacuate the town. Some people looked at her like she was crazy, but others saw the fear in her eyes and knew that something was seriously wrong. They started to pack their belongings and flee, but it was too late for some. Samantha watched in horror as the plant started to consume the houses closest to it. The sharp leaves sliced through the roofs like they were made of paper, and people inside screamed as they were attacked, wriggling and writhing down their throats straight for their hearts. Samantha knew that she had to get out of there, but she also knew that she couldn't leave anyone behind. If she could help it, she ran towards the nearest house that was being attacked and started banging on the door. Let me in! She yelled. I'll help you escape! After what seemed like an eternity, the door opened and a family of four rushed out, tears streaming down their faces. Samantha led them through the streets, dodging the attacking plant as best she could, but it was getting closer and closer, and she could feel its heat emanating from its vines. If plants could have a breath of their own, and that breath was on her neck, this would be it. She knew that she couldn't outrun it forever. Just when all seemed lost, Samantha saw a helicopter approaching in the distance and she waved her arms frantically, trying to get its attention. The helicopter flew towards her and she chanted over the sound of the blades, Help us! We need to get out of here! The pilot nodded, showing that he heard her. He dropped down as close as he could and they all climbed aboard. As they flew away from the town, Samantha looked down at the plant, still consuming everything in its path. It was gory. It was gruesome. Bodies strewn everywhere, chests exploded, torn apart, rib cages extended like accordions. She knew that she had been lucky to escape, but she also knew that she had to find a way to stop the plant from spreading any further. The pilot radioed for backup and soon a team of experts was assembled to deal with the plant. They analyzed plant samples and discovered that it was some kind of genetically modified species that had been created in a laboratory based off the sequences of its DNA alone. There was evidence of tampering, gene tampering. They traced its origin back to a nearby research facility and they were able to shut it down before any more plants could be released. This meant controlled burnings in certain areas, small fertilizer heat explosives in localized areas to cut off the plant. And as Samantha watched as the plant was finally destroyed, its tendrils burning up in a fiery blaze, she knew that it had been a close call. But she also knew that she had played a part in saving the town. She smiled to herself knowing that she had done the right thing and as she looked up at the sky she knew that she would always remember that day that the plant threatened to consume her town and as she fought against all odds to escape its deadly grasp. She also knew that the memory of that day would serve as a reminder of the dangers of unchecked scientific experimentation and the importance of vigilance in protecting our natural world. She returned to her normal routine but the experience had changed her. She felt a newfound appreciation for life and the determination to protect those she loved. She also felt a sense of responsibility to spread the word 
about what had happened to ensure that others would also be aware of the dangers that lurked in the shadows, one DNA sequence away. Samantha also felt pride. As years later, as she looked out of the lush green valley below, knowing that her town had been saved, the plant had indeed been a formidable foe, but humanity won once again. And although there were still scars on the landscape where it had once grown, scars worn by Earth itself, the valley had bounced back stronger and more resilient than ever. The sun set over the mountains. Samantha smiled to herself, knowing that she had been a part of something truly remarkable. Looking up at the sky, she whispered a silent prayer of gratitude for the gift of life and for the power of the human spirit to overcome even the greatest of obstacles. Mates, you just heard five stories of a set of ten that I commissioned thanks to your support. I provided ten written plot points for an author to write their short horror tales on, and the first five are as follows. These are the prompts that I put forward to kind of get the ball rolling. Story one was, werewolves raid a town, and one of them bites a child who becomes a werewolf slayer despite being a werewolf himself. Number two is, a man wanders the desert seeking travelers and offers them one wish, that leads to a horrible repeating event, trapping the man in a cycle of pain and suffering. The third is there is a forest that lures unsuspecting campers into the center of a tree maze that gets thicker and thicker, where teenagers disappear one by one. And number four is vampires live in New York and are slowly invading the city, taking over the underground. One man witnesses their first victim and begins preparing for his first fight ever. And lastly, number five, there is one human left alive in a society of robots, and the robots keep him alive, dealing with horrific pain, his only outlet being a final death. I also snuck in another prompt regarding a plant that eats the hearts of others. So yes, as I mentioned, I got the ball rolling with the author, and then the author keeps the momentum going, so to speak. This is actually called ghostwriting, where you hire an author to write the content based on an idea or concept. Now, I hope you all enjoyed each tale, with five more next week. This is only possible thanks to Patreon supporters, by the way. People that directly support me so that I can pay artists what they're due. The more support I get, the more I'll be reaching out to smaller authors and paying them more for their efforts. Today is just a sample of what's to come. Also, I'm really lucky today because I'm super duper grateful to have a new Patreon supporter. Please welcome our new Chamomile Tier supporter, Jane Gumnick. You freaking legend, you. Thank you so much for your support. I'm already putting that subscription right into more artists' work. And this goes for all Patreon supporters. Don't forget to check your Patreon page where you can access your higher quality audio and get first preference on artificial art that we create. Before I get into my Patreon, thank yous. I also want to thank two five-star reviewers from iTunes. I have Cassandra Eve Draven, where you've written... SFGT love. I love this channel and honestly, I lost track how long I've been listening to lovely tea pushing tale teller. One thing I love, you almost let us know when not to have kids around. Thank you so much, Cassandra. And even as I'm reading this, I'm lucky enough to have a beautiful cup of Earl Grey in front of me. I wouldn't do an episode without one. And also NSVC. Awesome, he wrote. And then followed up by awesome to listen to, always interesting. Thank you very, very much, buddy. Reviews always warm my heart. If you've got 10 seconds to spare, hop on down to iTunes or whichever platform you're on and leave a review. You'll make my day and more than likely my month. <laughs>
Now onto my other lovely mega stars, my Ode Knight T Titan, Matto Star. What can I say about this legendary lovely man? The cosmic ray that blasts through the shroud of black boredom and the deep darkness of the blackened cosmos. Matto, thank you for your amazing, jaw-dropping support. And you two are part of today's thank yous for the author commissions. I hope you enjoyed your tales. I included a werewolf, plus a vampire story in there for good measure. And it definitely won't be the last. I'm considering paying for 10 or even 20 short stories back to back of a long werewolf saga. We'll see how we go. I might choose a different author to really kind of give more authors exposure and a chance to practice their art. Thank you, you amazing person you. Lots of love your way, buddy. And the legendary White Tea Warlord, there is Lazuka Sharpshooter, who always aims to support me and never misses. Dudio, thank you immensely for your kindness and long-standing support. What a legend. I'll be using your support to cover podcast overheads, which are coming up around this time. So I'm stoked to have your support to help me cover those costs. Thank you, Mr. Legend. You are a wonderful human being. And the Earl Grey Legends and Chamomile supporters that support this show, I'm lucky to have Chad Warren, Just Heather, Sunshine Days, Juicebox Sandy, Peter Raffaelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, and Jane Gumnick. You people are my special people and I thank you. Should you be listening and wanted to get higher quality audio, help authors grow, and support old time radio repair, plus ensure that I'm a happy sausage that thanks you for your kindness, visit my Patreon support page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash SFGT. And there's a couple of tiers of support that you can review. And if you're up for it, send your love my way. Lastly, but not least, I'll be moving from SoundCloud and Audioboom to Libsyn over the next week. So there may be some tiny hiccup in transferring episodes, but either way, I'll be working with Libsyn support tech to make sure the move is easy and smooth for the best part. Now, pour your tea, make it nice, ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow, let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together and old audio that reminds us of how much we've changed. Say a while, have a listen, and as always, I hope to see you again.